When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. Hi, everybody. How's you doing? We have got a great show today. First, we're talking to Laura Krantz, who wrote this amazing book and podcast called Wild Thing, The Search for Sasquatch. So good. Amazing. Then we're talking about other mythical creatures. Urban legends, cryptozoology. We're going. We're going down the rabbit hole. As always, we have hashtag swag bag. And up next, take it away, kid. Kicking shit. I'm going to go first. Do it. My shit's are Sebastian got sick again. We're in that time of year. He's in school. He's just constantly sick. I hate it. I can't wait for this to stop. Does this stop? I don't think it does. And I keep telling him, before you stick your finger in your nose, make sure your hands are clean. That's all. It's not the most difficult thing in the world. And he's like, I got to wash my hands all the time. I'm like, yeah, but most importantly, just wash your hands before you touch yourself. That's it. Yeah, bro. Don't be disgusting. My tits are. My best friend Danielle came over with her son, Joey. It was us and our two kids. Carrie and I had both been sent this Netflix Junior package with cocoa melon toys and spirit animals just to celebrate this upcoming release of new shows that your kids would love. But they sent this arts and crafts kit called My First Arts and Crafts Libraries. I love crafts. I hate crafting with my child. And here's why. Because I take crafting seriously. I'm type A. I don't want my stuff to look like shit. So when I do things with my kid, it looks like shit. He ruins stuff that I've spent money on, different glues. You spend money on all of this crafting stuff. I find myself constantly saying, we have the wrong glue for this. Right. A zillion reasons why I hate crafting with my kids. This kit took away all of that anxiety. I didn't know feeling like this about arts and crafts with my child was possible. It's got a zillion pipe cleaners and fuzzy yarn and plastic things. Different kinds of pipe cleaners. All different kinds of random crap, like the things you see save in your craft kit that you're like, oh, I might need this for a project, except it's all kid-friendly. If they make a mess, if they destroy things, I don't care. The only thing that this kit is missing is scissors, which we have a zillion of, tape, and glue. That's it. It comes with everything else. You don't have to pull out all of your other craft supplies, and you just hand it over to them and let them have a field day. And whatever gets trash gets trash. This kit is the greatest kit I've ever gotten. I swear to God, Carrie, we haven't even talked about it. I want to do a momtrage gift guide for the holidays like we usually do. I have so many different things. This is going to be on my list because I just think for anyone who's like me and hates crafting with their child because of the disaster it becomes, this is the kit. I also want to add to that that it's really good for lots of different ages because we had that big garage sale and my neighbor's kids who are older were looking for something to do inside while we were garage sailing and they came in and enjoyed it with Luna and they're way older. So it's a multiple ages kind of 
thing. It is so great. It's not even a hashtag swag bag pick. It is literally my tits. Love that. My tits are Luna's recent use of the word woman. Lee is a little bit more anal retentive about things than I am. Big shocker. He doesn't like it when Luna's bare rear and vagina are like on the couch or on our pillows. I mean, I can understand that. I don't mind, but whatever. My kid generally has some caked on shit on his butthole because he doesn't wipe well. Right. But I keep saying to Lee, she needs to air it out. Put a towel down or something. So I heard him say to her, like, please don't put your bare vagina and butt on the couch. And I was about to come in to defend or give another option. And I stopped because I hear Luna go, Daddy, it is inappropriate and rude to talk about a woman's private area. And I am a woman, a little one. And then as Lee was leaving for work the other day, we were outside saying goodbye to him. He rolled down the window and said, bye ladies. And Luna goes, it's women. I guess taking her to that one Planned Parenthood rally really made a big impact. I would say so. It's bringing me joy, her taking back this word woman and really just using it. My shits are, I had a bunch of house guests who I love, but not everybody is as particular as Lee and I. I also don't like when people come and ruin my shit. It really bothers me. Your house is not the most child-ish house. It's very nice and very expensive. But also, just pay attention and don't destroy my things, please. This makes me sound like the oldest fuddy-duddy, but I have a lot of tchotchkes in this one corner of my office. It's dead person tchotchke corner. It's just a lot of weird dead people shit in this one corner that all happens to be porcelain, and that's the part that just got destroyed. Anyway, that's my shits. Guest break shit. Next up, Lara Krantz. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Laura Krantz is a journalist, editor, and producer in both radio and print and co-founder of Foxtopus, Inc. Her podcast, Wild Thing, has received critical acclaim from Scientific American, Rolling Stone, and The Atlantic, which named it one of the best 50 podcasts in 2018 and 2020. Wild Thing is also a series of nonfiction middle-grade books from Abrams Kids with the first title, The Search for Sasquatch, in stores now. Welcome, Laura Krantz. Hi, Laura. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us your journey to writing The Search for Sasquatch, which, P.S., whoever designed the cover, it is so fun to look at. I mean, it's beautiful. The guy who illustrated it, Raphael Nobre, I have not met him, but I was like, dude, you did it right. It turned out so much better than I could have dreamed. The journey for this book really started back in 2006 when I was living and working in Washington, D.C. I was flipping through the Washington Post one day and came across this huge article about a guy named Grover Krantz 
Lance, who had donated his bones and the bones of his dogs to the Smithsonian's Natural History Museum. He was kind of an odd dude. He'd been a scientist. He was an anthropologist at Washington State University. And then there was also this throwaway paragraph at the very end of the article that said that he used to drive around the Pacific Northwest with a spotlight and a rifle searching for Sasquatch. Who doesn't? And I was like, whoa, there's some odd stuff in here. Also, before he donated his bones, he donated his body to the Tennessee Body Farm. The decomposition thing? Exactly. They see how long it takes for you to decompose in various different atmospheres. And then they can use that information to help solve crimes and all this other stuff. Wow. I'm a big true crime girl, so I've read the whole book about it. It's fascinating. Clearly, the guy is into science, a little bit of a weirdo. Turns out he was also born in Salt Lake City, which is where my dad's family is from. We have the same last name, and he is my grandfather's cousin, as I learned. Seems like you would remember him. He's not somebody who you'll forget. Yeah, but I never met him. The family didn't stay in touch. Grover was not at my family reunions, but he used to show up at my grandfather's family reunions with calipers and measure people's heads. We count people's teeth at our family things because we found out that a couple of my cousins have extra teeth. Whoa. We just have drinks and chit chat. Yeah, we have awkward conversation and nobody makes eye contact, the usual. So I learned about this guy and I'm like, this is fascinating. And then I basically used that story at cocktail parties for like 10 years. I was like, I have a relative on display in the Smithsonian and he was one of the world's preeminent academic experts on Bigfoot. So take that. What do you got? Top that. Around 2016, my husband's like, you really need to do something with this story. Write a book. I was like, I can't write a book. That's so much work and so hard. I'm going to do a podcast because those are way easier. So much less work. So much less work and a real moneymaker. That's irony. You guys out there. Don't go into podcasting. It does not make you wealthy. Mm -mm. I found out that Grover's fourth wife lived about 30 miles from me in Colorado and I got in touch with her and went down to talk to her. There ended up being such a wealth of information and fun stories that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast with this. My background is in radio. I really like audio. I love putting together long narrative stories like this. Let's do it. So I do the podcast. Never aimed at the children. Fair amount of swearing in it, which apparently is okay on your show. Fucking go for it. All I said was shit, but I said it a lot. Yeah, that's mild for us. It was aimed at adults. And then I started to hear from parents who were listening with their kids and teachers who were using certain elements of it in their classroom, like about evolution and evidence and the scientific method and DNA analysis. My agent was like, have you considered writing a middle grade nonfiction book? And I was like, can I write nonfiction about Sasquatch? Will they let me do that? And they did. Wow. Tell us the most compelling evidence you found in support of Bigfoot being real. There's a few things. One of them is I was invited to go out to the Olympic Peninsula in Washington state to see these giant nests that had been found. This part of the book was crazy. Yeah, right? Giant nests? There is evidence of gorillas building nests in Africa as part of what they do. It's not unheard of that primates do this kind of things. These nests were huge. They look like giant bird's nests. They were on the ground. Like Big Bird. Yeah, they were like nine feet across. There are photos of people laying down in them. These things had been found on private timberland. The guy who owned it was going out to mark the timber for the next harvest and he found these nests and he calls in the Department Fish and Wildlife in Washington. And he calls in this Bigfoot research organization called the Olympic Project. And everyone's kind of standing around scratching their head and being like, what are these? The biologists were like, I don't think a bear built these. Doesn't look like what deer would do. The Bigfoot people are like, well, there's this thing with gorillas. Maybe it's Bigfoot. If you think about evolution, what if everyone didn't completely go to total humanoid? They found more prehistoric sharks. We're finding all these different things. Why not? Once upon a time, there were as many as eight different hominids 
limited species walking around the planet at the same time, not just one like it is currently. And those are the ones we found fossils for. And some of those fossils we've only found within the past 10, 15 years. There's no reason something else couldn't have existed that we haven't found fossils for. Even if Bigfoot doesn't currently exist, something like it might have existed a while back. And there's so many stories that have been handed down for generations through First Nations tribes, Native American tribes, and they've talked about them in what is now present-day Europe and Russia. Maybe there was something once upon a time, even if there isn't now. How do you feel about photographs? Yeah, the photographic evidence is not great, which is surprising to me because so many people have cameras in their pockets right now. There's way more game cameras and security cameras and drone cameras and all that other stuff. So I feel like we should have a better photo by now. I feel like you are a woman based very much in science and evidence, so I can't imagine you watch a whole lot of TikTok. (laughs) However, there is this really funny thing that happens whenever somebody claims to see a UFO on TikTok. We all have these pretty great cameras in our possession 24-7, and yet nobody can get a clear video of this supposed UFO flying over things. And you always, whenever you see one of those videos, go to the comments. Someone is always saying like, what did you shoot this on? (laughs) How is it that we have these great cameras in our pockets and we can't get a clear photo or video of these things? Listen, we were just on with a psychic and all of our technology failed. So maybe there's some sort of force field. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe with the UFO, there's some sort of force field thing. I have a hard time believing that with Bigfoot because my feeling is, is it's probably like any other flesh and blood creature on this planet. There's probably a lot of them because it can't just be one that's been around a thousand years. It has to repopulate somehow. Exactly. It's kind of beholden to the same laws of biology and physics that the rest of us are. Can you be a scientist and can you also believe in, for lack of a better term, myths? I think so. Here's my feeling on this. As you guys have mentioned, there is a lot about science that we don't yet know. And science is constantly revising itself. If you had been talking about the germ theory of disease 200 years ago, people would have been like, you're crazy. We're going to burn you at the stake. And, you know, look where we've come since then. Science is constantly evolving and changing. And that is part of the process as you build on what's come before you. And then as new information comes in, as you get better technology, you can improve on that and see if those hypotheses from an earlier time still stand up. And I think also part of science is asking questions about things that we may not have answers for. I think you look at the research that's gone into looking for extraterrestrial life. My second season of the podcast was about this, so I'm somewhat familiar with it. And actually the second book in the series will be about this. People like Jill Tarter or Frank Drake, the sort of original pioneers of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence back in the 60s and 70s, they took a lot of flack. People were like, no, there's no way there's anything else out there. There were jokes about them. They were kind of relegated to the fringes of science. But now we have this new technology that actually allows us to see if there are Earth-like planets orbiting faraway stars. Sure, we have not found evidence of big-brained aliens building civilizations out there. But where there is water, there is life. There's a pretty good shot of that. You have to keep asking questions. I think the idea is you have to be open-minded without your brains falling out. If we're only based in what is now and what is at the moment fact, we're going to lose that sense of wonder and that sense of questioning and curiosity that I think is a very fundamental part of science and a fundamental part of being human. Are there any other cryptozoology mythical creatures that you think might exist? Loch Ness Monster. There's new information. Yeah, they do eDNA, environmental DNA, where they're essentially our microscopes and our computers and our abilities are so much more powerful than they've been that you can figure out the DNA of a creature that's been around with small snippets of that DNA. You don't need the whole strand, which is amazing. And there was a scientist who sampled the water of Loch Ness and they think that there might be species of giant eels that were living in the lake at one point. That would make perfect sense. You guys are familiar with the 
blood boy phenomenon? No. What is that? So they did these studies on mice where they found that if they transfused the blood from younger mice into older mice, it would set their biological clocks back a little bit. So it made them a little bit younger. This is in mice, not humans. But then, of course, Silicon Valley extrapolates this out and is like, you know what? What if we transfuse the blood of 18-year-olds into wealthy, ancient billionaire types? Elon Musk. He does have new hair. How do you feel about Harry and the Hendersons, one of my favorite movies from childhood? I loved it when I was a kid. And then I hadn't watched it in like 30 years. And I watched it again when I was doing the research for the podcast. And I actually did an interview with William Deere, who was the director. That movie is just so sweet. It's one of my favorite childhood movies. Well, the scientist in it, the nice scientist, is modeled partially on Grover. That's incredible. It's in your family heritage. I know. We know that the book is aimed towards 8 and 12-year-olds, but what are you hoping to grow the series into? What are you hoping kids take from this? It's a three-book series at this point, and it's based on the three seasons of the podcast that are already out. So the first season, Bigfoot. Second season is about the search for extraterrestrial life, which extends from people down in Roswell who are certain that a UFO crashed there in 1947, all the way over to what SETI scientists and what NASA are doing with new technologies and things like that. And then the third season, this one's a little bit trickier because my third season of the podcast was about an accident at a nuclear reactor near where I grew up in Idaho. And it's still the deadliest nuclear reactor accident in American history. Three men died when a reactor blew up in 1961. That's a little tougher to translate over to the kids space, but I have some ideas about working. Let's talk about mutants. Let's talk about atoms. Let's talk about that kind of stuff. I'm going on record. This is one of my momtourage holiday gift guide picks because I think our kids get so much crap, so many things that you get rid of and books are just endlessly entertaining. They're educational. And this one, it kind of disguises the scientific educational aspect in that it's just fun and it's exciting. And again, just a beautiful book. So congratulations to you because we get a lot of books and this is one that I actually feel very passionately about. Thank you. That means a lot. You'll be able to find the book online pretty much anywhere. Indie Books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all the usual places. I know a lot of independent bookstores are carrying it. If you like the melodious sounds of my voice, I read the audiobook for your car rides with your kids or your long bike rides. And then there's always the podcast, which again, a little bit more for the adult crowd, but some kids seem to enjoy it. And that is Wild Thing Podcast. It is available pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. There are three seasons. Season one is Bigfoot, season two is Aliens, and season three is A Nuclear Accident. You're really speaking my language with all these. This is really my jam. And you do actually have such a great voice to listen to. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us, explain things, for writing the book. I can't wait to start listening to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. This segment is my wheelhouse. I could almost have a side podcast about this shit. Yeah. This is other things like Sasquatch. The first up, Jersey Devil. Near and dear to our hearts. Do you not know this part of the story? No, I don't. The Leeds family had a baby that had a tail and cloven hooves. And because it was the 1800s or whatever this was, they were just like, slap that baby in the basement and we're going to throw some food down. They built off of this idea for American Horror Story season one, The Murder House, which is the best season. I bet you they probably... Probably did. This story of a kid born with a tail and hooves is not the first time I've heard it. I just didn't know that it's the origin story of the Jersey Devil. They put this poor little baby in the basement. They're just like, we'll just throw some food down for you. Whatevs, here's a cage. And the baby was 
pissed. Livestock started going missing and half-eaten, and then he got out of the basement. I love how he got out of the basement after the livestock started missing. I don't know what order. Well, I assume he was out of the basement before the livestock was starting to go missing. Right. People started seeing cloven hoof prints, half man, half devil, and he was killing shit. Let me just say, the Leeds family probably had a disabled child. 100%. And maybe they locked that baby in the basement. Horrible. And honestly, the baby probably wasn't eating livestock. And if it was, if it was a disabled child going after livestock, there are better ways to treat it than just locking it in the basement and hoping for the best. Hindsight is really 2020. Miss Leeds, don't drink that potash while you're preggers, okay? What's potash? It's like grain alcohol that you make from potatoes. People were smoking during their pregnancy up until like the 60s. People were licking asbestos and putting dung in their vagina and stuff as birth control. The least you could have is a cloven foot devil child. <laughs> I don't want to go political on this, but <laughs> I just feel like if Marjorie Taylor Greene had a child that had some kind of birth defect, she would absolutely go this route. She'd be like, it's the devil and we're locking it in the basement and we're going to just neglect this child. Just imagine the leads are accurate for their time and knowledge version of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I also have seen the Leeds family house where this was supposed to be. The other rooms did not look any better than the basement, <laughs> let me tell you. Because that's a time where you just had kids to, like, work the farm. The other thing is, they say there's only one, but he's still alive. Is he just the oldest bitch ever? There's a whole theory about Hoboken and the Jersey Devils. Chupacabra. I kind of believe this is true. Chupacabra is definitely in the Puerto Rico area. Here's a fun Chupacabra story for you. In sixth grade, we were in Church Square Park in Hoboken. We were all running around for recess, excited, and I didn't see, but I ran into this very, very short boy in my class, Gabe, and in bumping into him, was like, ah! And as I screamed, because he was short and I was tall, my teeth went into the top of his head and he started pouring blood down his face, gushing blood. And he was like me, half Hispanic, half Jewish. He was from Puerto Rico. For about three years, people called me Chupacabra because he started that. And you also have all that luxurious hair, so that makes sense. And the story gets even better that he was my first boyfriend (laughs) in high school. We ended up going from hating each other because he made my life hell to he was my first boyfriend. I'm going to start calling you Cabra. Why not have the ridicule of my childhood continue on into my late 30s. So the chupacabra is half dog, half wolf, half vampire. Some people say it's a little reptilian. It kind of looks like an effed up street dog. That's like a effed up coyote. I'm sure it does exist. Yeah. And it also vampire sucks out the blood of livestock. They say it goes after people's goats and stuff. Why is livestock always the thing that gets it? Because it's easy. They live outside. Low hanging fruit. They're pretty defenseless. A cow can't punch a chupacabra or the Jersey Devil, it just stands there and gets killed. If you turn a sheep upside down, it goes to sleep for a little bit. If you knock over a cow, it's dead. If you go cow tipping, you can't survive unless someone picks it up. Loch Ness Monster. I've been to Loch Ness. I've taken the tour. We talked about this with Laura. Probably does exist. Some sort of long lizard eel thing. But it doesn't eat people. No. Leave Loch alone. Loch Ness is a beautiful place to visit. What country is it? Scotland. Okay. I've watched multiple documentaries. This one really really gets me. Japanese ghost people after the tsunami. During the tsunami in Japan, so many people's lives were lost. 
Japanese people are pretty spiritual. Some Japanese people are Buddhist and some are not. They're pretty religious. Talking about ghosts is not something people just do for fun. They take it very seriously. It's not like, woohoo, let's talk about ghosts. In the documentary that I watched, they talked about how people don't really mess around with ghosts. A bunch of taxi and Uber drivers, they've picked up people and have driven them someplace and dropped them off and they have the receipt of the ride and it wasn't a real person. They disappeared after they dropped them off. I've heard about this. Other people have also picked them up in the car or seen them places, but they're always these people who are lost, trying to get back to somewhere, looking for a ride. It's crazy. Krampus, which is evil Santa in Germany and Austria, terrifying. You can watch that episode of The Office. Dwight does German Christmas and it's basically Krampus. Then we have Bloody Mary, which Ashley's mom bloody married right out of her when she made her say it in the mirror. I don't fuck with that. I don't even like saying the name. I still do not fuck with it. If Sebastian ever comes home and starts telling me the lore of it and is like, hey, is this true? I'm going to be like, honestly, this is something that traumatizes me. I can't talk about it. This doesn't really match, but I just wanted to bring it up Mischief Night because I feel like people on the East Coast know about Mischief Night and everyone else doesn't know about it. But I'm going to ask you, call to action, guys. CTA, do you know what Mischief Night is? I didn't until I moved to New Jersey. We didn't have it in Miami. Mischief Night is the night before Halloween, which P.S. is Luna's birthday. Born on Mischief Night, how telling. That makes sense. People used to, especially in the 80s and 90s when I was a kid, egg your house, toilet paper your tree, poop in a bag and set it on fire. General mischief. Nothing ever happened to me. Although in Hoboken, they would say like, don't go out on mischief night. Hoboken's like, you'll get shivved. Back then, I went to a bougie private school and the Hoboken High kids hated us because it was like, oh, these are the rich kids, even though I wasn't by any means. We know you're a scholarship kid. Right. But they would tell us all the time, like, don't go hang out, go home. Because they would start fights with us. A kid I went to school with got the shit beat out of him just for playing basketball at night and was in the hospital for a week. Not cool, man. Okay, girl with the green ribbon around her neck. This isn't true, though. No, I know, but it's from a book, uh, Dark, Dark Room and Other Stories. Everyone our age has to know the girl with the green ribbon. I just wanted to list that. Slender Man, Abduction and Evil Acts. I love Slender Man. Matt and I have a whole shtick about Slender Man where if I get really vibey at night, I just start walking like Slender Man to just really make him laugh. So I can't even find Slender Man a scary thing at this point. Also, the Mothman, as in the movie The Mothman Prophecies. In West Virginia, in 1966 to December 15th, 1967, sightings of a moth-like man creature would occur right before terrible events would happen. There was a bridge collapse and a bunch of people saw the Mothman before that. But why just a year? Did he die? What happened to Mothman? I don't know. He was eaten by the Jersey Devil. (laughs) All creatures that may be listening, I don't want to know that badly. Don't tell me. You got any other ones? Skinwalkers, obviously, which scare the shit out of me. This new life my parents have, it just scares me to be outside at night because I'm so unaccustomed to it. It's so foreign to me. But I always think like, was that really a coyote or was that a skinwalker? Guys, if you know any other ones like this, hit us up. I love to go on a deep, dark dive when I have insomnia on scary shit. Hashtag swag bag. This is both of our hashtag swag bag this week. We were sent this book called P.S. We Made This Super Fun Crafts That Grow Smarter and Happier Kids by DIY expert Erica Domasek. Please don't hold me to that pronunciation of her last name. So I was really excited when we were sent the press release for this book and actually asked to be sent the book because I follow P.S. I Made This. I love crafters. You guys know that. I love watching crafters. I love seeing what they do. It's very inspirational. And now she's made a whole 
whole book. She's been an influencer in this field for so, so long. I'm kind of surprised she just now has a book. I would venture to say these are a little more expert level than maybe toddler crafting, but they are definitely for kids, definitely for adults, like a cardboard pizza oven, all kinds of cool things. But the book's out now. It's $24.99. It's about raising smarter and happier kids and allowing them to develop essential sensory, cognitive, motor, social, emotional skills, and more. Domasek actually worked with Dr. Laurel Felt, a PhD in childhood development and play. Damn, she did her research. It's actual research-based crafting to identify all the ways that kids can thrive from each project. The book encourages parents to step away from their screens and help their kids' self-confidence through creating and crafting projects made from all the things you have at home. You just don't want to get rid of your boxes, your egg cartons, toilet paper rolls. Become low-key hoarders, guys. Right, exactly. Just have those things around. But it is such a great book. Highly recommended for anyone that likes crafting with their kids. Or by yourself when you're vibing. Right. I'm going to be holding on to this book and doing things myself until Sebastian is old enough where my Virgo tendencies allow him to touch my crafting tools. This has been a great show. And listen, if you have a child that has cloven hooves, don't put them in your basement in a cage. It never ends well. Also, Child Protective Services will probably come get you. We're on Patreon, so come find us there for exclusive content. What a segue! There was none. I just shouted it out. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Love you. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamaDramaBand.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.